0: You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to episode 52 of our show, where we discuss the latest news about Apple, iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and more. We're recording on Thursday, January 21st, 2016. Joining me today are Neil Hughes, our managing editor. Hey, how's it going? Also joining us is Shane Cole. Holla at you, boy. Shane, I know we were talking before we started recording, and one of the topics you wanted to talk about was the Donald Trump story.
1: The Donald Trump story?
0: The Donald Trump story. (laughs) Yes. You're going to have to be more
1: specific than that.
0: Well, you referred to it as Donald Trump Jesus. But the, uh, the story, as I remember, is that Donald Trump was speaking at one of his events, one of his campaign stops in the United States. And he made a comment about how he was going to cause apple computer to start producing their quote damn computers unquote in the united states
1: actually i believe it was their damn computers and things go ahead and correct us tell
0: me exactly what he said
1: i choose i don't know what he said i'm not gonna look it up i choose to believe however that he just forgot what other things apple makes like it's been so long since he interacted with any piece of consumer electronics that he just couldn't think of anything else he's like i know they make computers Uh, they make other stuff i'm sure so did he say they make fantastic products uh, I don't know. I I'll be honest with you. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't force myself to read anything.
0: But those five words. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna read the quote, and the quote is: "We have such amazing people in this country—smart, uh, sharp, energetic. They're amazing." Trump said, "We're gonna get Apple to start building their damn computers and things in this country instead of in other countries."
1: Okay. Well, Godspeed. Later on, he. Um, he, I don't know if it was the same event or at a different event. He said that he would do it by putting a thirty-five percent tariff on products manufactured outside the United States. Now, I don't know if he means all products or just electronic products or just Apple's products. Uh, but it's never that will never ever 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 happen for a variety of reasons. One, I think I put this in the story: the World Trade Organization would have a little hissy fit if. He, we suddenly started enacting 35% protectionist tariffs. They would have something to say about that. I mean, given that China's average tariff is only like 5% and they're famous, I mean, the, the luxury tax in China now is I think 12% on clothing. Uh, so if we went to 35% on electronics, I think there'd be a little bit of a of a huff. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's never going to happen. It's an absurd campaign promise and it would cost billions and billions and billions of dollars and nobody could afford to buy iPhones anymore. So there you go. Bringing new meaning to Apple tax.
0: Oh, yeah. That would be the no Android joke. Protectionist Act because then you'd be able to afford Android products instead of iPhones. Is that the idea?
2: I I have no idea. I have no idea yeah. what the end game is here. I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot of campaign bluster to tell people what they want to hear. It, it, it's like the fifth grader saying that they're if they get elected class president, they're going to make sure the soda is free, you know, like. Yeah. I mean, like it may get people interested and it may get you some votes, but it doesn't change the reality of it. I mean, certainly more ambitious or uh, less ambitious, I should say, promises have been made by presidents in the past that weren't able to be kept. Um, You know, I don't want to get too political here, but you could look at something like the closing of Guantanamo Bay, which is something that President Obama repeatedly promised to do. And then once he got in office, realized the logistics of doing something like that were a little difficult. And so therefore, it's still open to this day. Uh, And here we are, what, seven years after he's been in office. So
0: nearing the end of his last term.
2: Right. So uh, certainly a lot of presidential candidates make promises that they can't keep. This is one of those that I would have to think would
1: be pretty impossible to keep. I mean, technically speaking, the president has a limited power to impose protectionist tariffs. That said i don't think this would ever happen i mean e- even if there was some scenario in which he could he he could impose a 35 tax on electronics manufactured overseas there's no way that he could possibly beat the tens of millions of dollars in pack money and lobbying cash that every consumer electronics manufacturer would suddenly shovel down congress's throat to repeal the tariff act of 1922
0: which gives the president those powers Interestingly, I mean, I was thinking about this. We know that when the iMac was first in production way back in 1998, that it, some of them were produced in California. Some of them still are. Go on. So so some of the current flat panel iMacs are made in California.
1: Assembled in California.
0: Assembled, yeah. Yeah, the okay, Fremont so plant
1: is still open. It's it reduced now, but it's still open. And the Mac Pro is in Texas. I, I mean, the so is the, the uh, A8, Samsung's, fab for the A8 is in Austin I think.
2: But I believe the only top to bottom facility for manufacturing owned by Apple is
1: in Ireland, correct? But even that's not top to bottom. That's still just assembly. Is it Oh okay. Yeah. I mean they they're not like m- fabbing
0: wafers there or anything.
1: Right, well yeah.
0: Did, well, well they could make PCBs there though. I don't think so it, I think it's it's just make based PCBs on the and photos, populate them there. I think the it photos, is their largest
2: it's just assembly. I think it is their largest manufacturing facility. Apple-owned is in Ireland. Yeah,
1: I think so. Well, even the Mac Pro one is not Apple-owned. It's only Fremont and Ireland, I think. The Mac Pro one is uh, Flextronics, I
0: think. Uh, Flextronics is now named just Flex, but isn't it a Foxconn facility in Texas? Not a Flextronics or a no, Flex? No, it's not Foxconn. Mm, it's no.
1: either Flextronics or Pegatron. It's one of those two. Yeah, I don't think Flex. Okay. I don't think
2: Foxconn has. Do they have any manufacturing in the U.S. at Foxconn? I don't think they do. I think they're uh, pretty yeah, they, and, they do, but not for Apple, I don't think. Not for Apple. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, the less interesting part of this story to me is Donald Trump. I mean, that's just campaign bluster at that point. I think any reasonable person can agree on that, even people who support Donald Trump. Um, but I think the more interesting part of this story is this kind of push, uh, and it's been going on for years by Apple itself to try to manufacture more in the United States. Uh, Tim Cook himself has said that he would love to manufacture iPhones in the United States. I don't think that's ever going to happen, at least in our lifetimes, but, Uh, certainly an internal push for Apple to build stuff more in the United States could be a possibility without the need for any you know, Apple taxes being imposed by the federal government or something like that, right? I mean, what realistically do you think could be done to bring more manufacturing to the U.S.?
1: Well, there is an economic incentive to bring manufacturing closer to the end consumer, right? Um, Shoe companies now are actually at the forefront of this. Nike and Adidas are pushing really hard to uh, that's why adidas came out. i don't know if you if you follow shoes at all but adidas has these new 3d printed uh this new 3d printing process to make shoes and it's totally experimental not ready for prime time or anything but their idea is eventually that you make shoes at the retail store they're bought at which does a ton of things not the least of which is significantly cuts down on the complexity of your supply chain and removes the need to run a complicated
0: uh, logistics operation well you don't have to worry about inventory any longer as yeah, exactly. long as you've got raw materials yeah
1: so the, this this will happen eventually um, anybody who has ever heard the 3d printing is the wave of the future thing that's why it's the wave of the future It's not for any other I, I mean there are some things you there are some things you can't make or you can't make reliably without being able to 3d print them but that's a secondary factor the real the real reason 3d printing is important to the future is this kind of thing it's bringing manufacturing as close as is humanly possible to the end consumer and now that's for us and by us I mean Americans that's a problem because our manufacturing economy is based around heavy industry right we make well not much anymore but we make steel yeah that's you know we been, make cars uh, <laughs> there's it's, it's going to be tough times. We still make cars. Yeah. yeah it's going to be tough times for a while. Um, but eventually, eventually we'll get there. Well, when you talk about shoes,
2: that makes me think, you know, obviously wearable devices have a lot in common with shoes in terms of custom style, custom fit. You know, people need certain uh, sizes and and widths and stuff on their shoes and stuff like that. And you think about the complexity of uh, bringing the Apple Watch to the masses in terms of uh, how many different colors do they offer now and different watch band combinations and sizes and all that kind of stuff. I mean – it took them a while to ramp up manufacturing of the Apple Watch, and it was in such limited capacity for those first couple months. And when I say a while, I mean like two months. It was really a kind of a modern miracle of uh, logistics when you think about it. But I mean, think about all the possible combinations of Apple Watch that are out there w- between the bands and the styles and sizes. Um, it, do you think that that's something that could be made a little simpler by? Uh, uh, if not manufacturing stateside, then at least doing something else stateside? What could
1: they do there to to simplify it and make it cheaper for Apple and better for the consumer? So that's a little bit more of a complicated question because they, the something like an Apple Watch or an iPhone is difficult to make in a, a small-scale process. You know, like making a shoe, uh, printing a shoe in a store is one thing. But all of the, the disparate components that go into an iPhone or Apple Watch is a little bit harder. What will happen eventually is that instead of having 350,000 people at a Foxconn factory in Shenzhen, you're going to have uh, 10 guys looking over 150 robots at 10 different factories around
0: the world. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: So if an uh, uh, iPhone yeah, if you sold look in, at the
0: Mac Pro factory in Texas, that's, that's kind of what's going on there. As much of it is automated.
1: Yeah you'll you'll have your an iPhone sold in Germany will be made somewhere near Germany and an iPhone sold in China will be made somewhere near China and the same in the US and elsewhere that's where it's going Okay uh, but I mean, maybe not for the that's, electronics that's just the flow of sorry, what about I, for the bands themselves just the bands Yeah that kind of thing can be made bespoke uh, Yeah and I think actually that, could that be that's a really that, that's a really interesting idea there's a company here in Hong Kong called Casetify uh, which I don't know if you've ever heard yeah, of them but I've they really do they do custom iPhone cases and they also now do custom Apple watch bands. So you upload a photo and they print it. Uh, they're like, if you've ever heard of cafe press, like cafe press for watch bands and stuff, uh, and they print it and send it off to you. Uh, and I could absolutely see something like that being in an Apple store. You know, the, like we have in, in PetSmart, you have the little dog tag stations. You know, I can imagine in the future, you go into like an Apple store and print your custom, your custom watch band. You buy the, the watch itself and, Everything else is maybe spoke.
2: We actually featured case to in like a iPhone case roundup a couple of years ago for the holidays. And I think some representative from the company reached out to us because they said a lot of people were driven to them by our story or something like that. And yeah, I guess there's a lot of people that really want to get like an
1: iPhone case with their dogs picture on it or yeah. something like that. Yeah, there's um three is a big mobile operator in Europe and they also operate here and they are actually running a promo right now you buy an iPhone 6 you get a voucher for caseify <laughs> so i thought that was a pretty interesting i mean it's not it's not just a side deal it's like their main promo at this moment
0: mhm
1: wow. yeah I, I guess there's a lot of demand for that kind of stuff
0: yeah. it's interesting cuz normally when you're you're doing it as a carrier you you want to push a case that you've got in stock and take margin on are they taking margin on the voucher deal or they don't sell accessories as far as i'm aware um, mm. I mean, they have
1: tiny, tiny accessory sections in their stores, but I literally mean like one end cap.
2: It, it's interesting to me that you know Apple for many years uh, has been leaving money on the table by not really playing into the customization of uh, people's iPhones, and and now with the watches, they're obviously getting into it a little more. But you think back to iPods and when they started doing them in different colors and stuff like that, and then for the iPhone, for so long they just didn't really offer a lot of variety. They weren't even making cases. And, you know, obviously now they make cases, now they make a battery case, they make all these custom Apple watch bands and styles and stuff like that, that you can really personalize and make it yours. And I think that's been a a subtle but a big time shift for the company and their focus. Um, Not only because it appeals to consumers, but it's a high margin business, too. You sell a $50 leather case and it probably costs them, you know, five bucks to make or something like that.
0: So uh, Uh, they, they were offended by the idea of people putting terrible stuff on their product.
2: Right, they but just, I mean, they I'm were sure revolted by money. the
0: <laughs> idea of some of these cases. Yeah, it's good money for them as well. But but just you know, well, Johnny, but, Ive couldn't sleep at night because someone had put something horrible. But
2: you think the yeah, colorful iMacs and iBooks and the iPods and stuff like that? This isn't a new thing for Apple. It's just interesting that they kind of, for a few years there after the success of the iPhone, kind of drifted away from it. Um, you know, you had a, a black iPhone, then you then it took them forever to get the 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 glass right on the iPhone four and the white iPhone came late. And then finally they introduced the gold one and now they have the rose gold, but even still it's a limited number of colors compared to, you know, what you used to be able to get with an iPod
1: or still can get with an iPod. I wonder how, so this is something I've been thinking about recently because this is the kind of thing I think about. I wonder how if, if Johnny Ive has been wanting to do this kind of thing for a long time and always, always, always got shut down by Steve. And the farther away from Steve that you get, the more influence Johnny has and he gets to do stuff. He's just always wanted to do, but was never able to because he was overruled.
2: I, I I would believe that. Yeah. I mean, you think about that first iMac again, then that really, you know, was pretty out there in terms of the colors and, and the look of it and everything like that. And it was unique and it, you could personalize it by buying your own color and the iPods. Yeah, I I, 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 I could see that definitely being the case.
1: Because yeah, you, for a long time, the product marketing, or I guess really as far back as I know, the product marketing department has run Apple product development, right? It's, they make what they think they can sell. Um, I mean, they make stuff they want to make, but they don't make things that they want to make and can't sell. That's what I'm saying. So I yeah. wonder if that, if that ba- uh, balance of power is shifting somewhat now. Um, so the because johnny i mean he seems to have consolidated you know control of the company uh, for all intents and purposes so i wonder if he is if if, if he with the reshuffling of the executive ranks i wonder if he is just now sort of the guy and tim says you go do what you think is right you know i'll make i'll make the trains run on time and make sure we make tons of cash for the product side you do your thing don't leave out
0: Phil Schiller in this equation.
1: Well, he just got he just got shuffled around. He doesn't even. I mean, he's still VP uh, WWM, but he doesn't even uh, their their head of internal creative doesn't even report to him anymore. They right. But he has for
0: years had that same kind of top tier influence. He he and Donnie yeah. were both right there with Steve. So
1: well, that's what I was saying. He he had been the arbiter of what they were going to build before, because they would say, "We want to make this, but can not we sell it?" And Phil would say, "Yes or no." But it seems now that that's shifting, right? Mm. It seems like Johnny has that.
0: I, I think that I want to wait for another product cycle to see what the results of that shift are.
1: I mean, I hate to, we all hate to do this because we hate when people throw it in our faces. But could you, what, like Neil said, look at all of the options for the Apple Watch. Could, oh, yeah. could you have imagined this being in Steve Jobs' two-by-two matrix? Uh, no. Yeah.
0: N- uh, no, this would not have made the two-by-two. Yeah, I but think he. I think he only did the white iPhone because his wife wanted one. But but <laughs> you know, Neil's not wrong either that it stems a little bit from that that having all of the colors that we had for original iPod Mini, right? Because yeah. the iPod Mini with all of the different color skews wouldn't have necessarily fit in there either. That's true. Yeah,
2: and when you take into consideration the different uh, capacities as well, I mean, there's always been a lot of configuration options that are broad
0: for some products. but <laughs> Well, originally it was it was the 2 by 2 matrix, and it was three options for each product in the matrix. And then when we got the iPod, it sort of ballooned out from there. And then
2: you look at the iPad, you can get it with or without LTE, different colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the iPad's you know, a mess. Yeah, they've, they've really, the, the product options have grown, but it really hasn't gotten into ways to customize your product until Apple started to get into the accessories business. I mean, you have... Th- three, four colors now for the iPhone. Um, maybe they'll expand that in the future. There's no, re- not really any rumors about that yet. They tried to dabble in it with the iPhone 5C. Um,
0: the accessories business started with the iPhone 4 when we got the bumpers to solve antenna gate. And that right. was there again under Steve.
2: Right. But th- th- it was pretty limited. And now when you look at the options in terms of the different, I mean, you have how many colors of cases for the iPhones, right? And then you have uh, smart covers for the iPad and all the Apple Watch bands and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And some of this, I mean, even just talking to to people that I used to talk to at Apple, some of it was you'd, you'd go and show them a case. And their first question was, does this case work with our cables? Does this case work on docking speaker products kind of thing? Mm-hmm. and you'd find a lot of the cases didn't work, that they they conflicted with docking products, that they were too thick to, to actually work, or that they were too thick, uh, too tall for the connectors to make full contact on a docking product. Mm-hmm. And you'd find that you couldn't get the Apple cables in, or you'd get the regular charge cable in, but you couldn't get one of the bigger ones that was like the, uh, the, the VGA or HDMI cable to plug in. And that's one of the things that, they would reject when they were taking a product into their stores for the retail store was this case doesn't work with all of the scenarios that we think our users need. We're not going to take it.
2: Remember when Apple used to charge you an extra hundred bucks to get a black MacBook?
0: Uh Yes, (laughs) totally.
2: Who paid for that? Uh, I know.
0: I knew about, I knew three people who did.
2: Yeah. Do you think that they would do that today? No, I can ask.
0: (laughs) That's not (laughs) hard to find out. You know, do you mean up John Scrivens and ask him if he'd buy another black MacBook? Do you mean if people would pay that or if Apple would charge that? Both. I mean, well, I, they wouldn't
2: do it now, I don't think, because if you look at the twelve-inch uh, MacBook that comes in yeah. the same color as the iPad, and they don't charge anything extra for that. So,
1: yeah, I think people would absolutely people would if Apple had made the rose gold iPhone one hundred dollars more, people would absolutely would have paid it. It's no question.
0: Oh yes, but this is plain.
2: this is where like remember all those oh the the only the the. Plus models are going to get a uh, Sapphire cover. It's like, yeah. who would pay for this?
0: Because you can't see it.
2: Like you,
0: you stand right there because, because when see. we're talking about Apple watch, we have the aluminum body with mineral glass, and then you move up to the steel with, with Sapphire. But right. Neil, but Neil's, the body but Neil's points, different. Yeah. Neil's point
1: stands that you can tell the difference between a sport watch and a, uh, a watch watch. This is also right, the, the finish on name. the aluminum. A sport oh, watch and a watch watch and an edition watch, but you can't tell the difference between uh, Gorilla Glass and Sapphire when everything else is the same.
2: Imagine that you were so excited about sapphire and you're one of those jerks that had to tell everybody you had a sapphire phone. The only way you could prove it is to take your keys out of your pocket and try to mangle your phone and go, "Look, it doesn't scratch." I mean, like, you know,
0: I I can pick out 10 people who would do that, right? Well,
2: <laughs> then you should reconsider <laughs> your circle of friends.
0: But if Ooh. you if you look at if you look at, you know, the Apple Watch,
2: yes, the entry-level model, the Sport has the Ion-X glass, but it also has the cheaper aluminum which looks side by side very different from the stainless steel yeah. models. I mean, it's the entire package. It's not just the glass. For Apple to sell a model of phone with just the the glass different, for an extra hundred bucks or whatever would be absolutely insane and it would be stupid and they would never ever do it now if apple wanted to somehow defy the laws of physics and make a stainless steel iphone that didn't weigh a ton then maybe they could do something like that or or you know some mythical uh uh, what's that stuff liquid metal or something like that Uh. maybe but it would have to have a distinctly different visual appearance and some sort of added value for the consumer i don't think that apple's in a position here in 2016 where they're just going to charge an extra hundred bucks for a color
1: so on the subject of color can i make a confession sure i really like the rose gold iphone do you You're i not have alone. a i have a space gray
0: one i know but i'm a man so there are many many men that bought the rose gold
1: i know i've seen many of them anyway i really are, i, did, I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be ridiculous, but
0: I've actually grown to really enjoy it. The the space, If it's ridiculous, it's ridiculous in the best way.
2: The space gray iPhone is still too light. They need to go darker yes. like they did with the Apple Watch. It
1: needs to go back to the iPhone 5, the black. Yeah,
2: yeah that was really nice. It just showed a lot of scratches and stuff more clearly. Yeah. So okay, the, so the around the edges. Which,
0: which color? You, you said you have the, which one? The space gray?
2: I have a space Me? gray 6S.
0: Space gray 6S and, and you? Same. same. I'm I'm still using the gold 6.
2: I thought you had a 6s.
0: No, I do not have a 6s. Oh, okay. No, I'm I'm
2: Oh, no, that was the that was the MacBook a few weeks ago where you didn't realize that you had a uh uh Right, that magic was Magic trackpad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or not a Magic trackpad, a, a force uh, touch three, trackpad.
0: A force touch trackpad. <laughs> yes, that's I right. Have, I went 6 months without realizing I had the force touch trackpad.
1: I am all uh space gray up and down if i could get a if i could get a space gray 15 inch macbook pro i'd buy a new one right now just do that do you think that apple would do like a gold macbook pro um that's a good question i i want to say no i could absolutely see a space gray macbook pro and i want to say no on the gold but you never know
0: i would I, you know, I like the gold 12-inch. I would totally have the, the gold in a larger size.
1: Well, so they've been doing this campaign recently where they show how everything matches all their collection. Their collect, Actually, now that right. like I think about it's exactly what it is. It's their collection, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and my wife has been doing this for a while. She had, Everything she has is silver with the white front. She has a white uh, smart cover on her iPad. She has the MacBook Air is silver. Her iPad is silver. Her phone is silver. And it all looks her Apple Watch, she wears the white uh the white, sport, uh, white band. sport band, yeah, with the aluminum apple watch. And I'm not gonna lie, it looks killer like when, when she's sitting like in a coffee shop or something, which I I suppose is exactly the only time it would matter. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks good. I'm a little jealous.
0: Well that's why they made the uh the, the down market gold version so that you could match. Yeah, I'm not gonna get the gold. I get the rose gold.
2: I would go so all when rose I, gold uh, probably. I had an iPad Air 2, and I sold it when I got my iPad Pro. Or no, I'm sorry, I didn't sell it. I gave it to my wife because she had an iPad Air, and we sold her iPad Air. Uh, She had a white iPad Air with a blue smart cover, um, and it was a decision for a few days where she had to decide if she liked the smart cover, the blue smart cover with the space gray uh, iPad Air 2 or not. Uh, She ended up sticking with the black one. It wasn't a good match. But yeah, I mean, these are important decisions, like what matches well. And even when you go into the Apple store, like if you want to try on a watch back when they first started doing the try-ons, I asked them, you know, if I could try and mix and match, uh, you know, a certain like a space black uh, stainless steel with a certain band.
1: And they they wouldn't even do it in the store. They wouldn't allow it because they they let us do it when we went in for our edition appointment. Yeah. But maybe it's because we were trying on the
0: edition and they thought we were rich. <laughs> you fooled them. Nice. Moving on, I want to talk about things that Apple can't sell. Right? We talked about all the things Apple can sell, but we should talk about something that Apple can't sell. And that is, iAd is going away. Now, you may not remember iAd. I- iAd was this idea that Apple would create a platform that allowed people to put delightful, pretty ads convenient ads, ads that weren't terrible in their applications or or other things on their iOS. And, you know, instead of getting these gross popovers and things like that, you'd get something well-designed. And Apple was unable to challenge Google's mobile ad sales. So what what are we losing out on here, Neil? No. What's, what's actually happening with this?
2: Uh, I mean, this will affect some developers that are very heavily invested in Apple and probably apple specific developers who are quick to embrace their kind of stuff. I mean, certainly there are a number of apps that do use iAds. So this is going to be a change for that market. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really change very much. I don't think Uh, iAds didn't really take on the way that Apple wanted them to and uh, the way that they predicted. Um, It was an interesting concept, but The reality of it just was that uh, I don't know that Apple's heart was ever really in it either. Uh, It didn't feel like something that they invested a lot in or focused a lot on. uh, And they certainly didn't talk about it much. So I don't think this is a Scott
0: Forstall
1: project, wasn't it? Uh,
2: I I don't know who was behind it. Steve Jobs was still around when they unveiled it, I believe.
1: Yeah, I I think he was part of his. It was part of his thermonuclear war on Google, and it just totally failed.
2: Yeah, they tried to do, when it started out, it was like a ridiculous buy-in. Like, you had to buy a million dollars worth of ads in order yeah. to even get in. So, they only, it's at launch, they only had a handful of advertisers. I think Nissan was one of the first ones and stuff like that. And, I, I mean, I guess it was kind of neat in a gee whiz kind of way. You tap on an ad and it worked like an app and it opened up and stuff like that, but... As time went on, they, you know, they had to open up to more and people didn't want to put that much effort into the ads because that's just well, more cost in addition to the buy in. And so they just became kind of cheaper and weren't really that interesting. And they weren't really like apps anymore. So
1: in the beginning, not only did you have to spend exorbitantly to get in, but Apple did the creative. You couldn't do your own creative. You weren't allowed. Uh, you could work with them, obviously. But a te- a, an iAd yeah, team at Apple wrong? made the ads. Yeah. You know. I mean it's it was one in a line of experiments to try to control
0: the entire and thing that just failed. Let me ask. My my understanding, my recollection was that you didn't get the demographics of the people that looked at or tapped yeah. through or, or waited on your ads. And as an advertiser, that's one of the things you rely on to see that they're effective. Right. So that also kind of led to the death of it, didn't
1: it? Yeah. All every thing Apple has ever done in this case has been um, uh, a failure based on not, I mean, not a failure, but it's, it's not done as well as it could have because they refuse to share, uh, audience demos. Yeah. I Let, mean, there are any derail. number of app developers who are so pissed at the app store. Can't, you won't even give them email addresses.
2: The, 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 this is not going to affect most of our listeners. What will affect most of our, most of our listeners by the shutdown of IAD is the IAD department also covered, uh, iTunes radio ads for uh, uh, content uh, that you might stream Pandora like on iTunes radio, that is no longer going to be ad supported and will only be under the um, uh, Apple music banner, which also means that people like myself who don't pay pl- for Apple music, but do pay for iTunes match are going to lose that functionality as part of your $25 a year per, uh, subscription. So, I currently pay 25 bucks a year for iTunes Match, and that gives me access to iTunes Radio without ads, and I can skip as much as I want. Uh, once the
1: changeover happens, I'll no longer have access to iTunes Radio,
2: and that's it. I can only listen to Beats 1.
1: Sucks to be you. Although yeah. that brings up a question. Uh, who handles the Beats 1 ads? Good question. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure that they'll still maintain some sort
2: of internal advertising department I, I i don't really enjoy most of what i hear on beats one I've, I've pretty much given up on it so um i i didn't use itunes radio much either it's not much of a loss for me i know my wife used it a lot um and she's pretty disappointed i know my parents use it as well because uh they are subscribing to itunes match and it was just an easy way for them to get a pandora like service without having to hear ads um, so I'm sure there are a lot of listeners out there who are in a similar position and, and that's a unfortunate change. I think, I think they should have at least reconsidered it and kept it for iTunes match subscribers.
0: Yeah. Well, the one way that I used, iAd that I think I was on the minority side of was I used the, iAd tools sometimes to mock up application ideas that I had because you not could mock up many, many many, 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 cool many,
1: many people have done that. Yeah. So it sucks that these tools are going to go away too. Well, before that, it was Quartz Composer was the hotness, and then there was I, I Producer for a while, and now Keynote is the the app of choice. I used Keynote from the very beginning for this stuff, but you just put together
2: a concept with it. I mean, there's no easy way to export that and turn in and start the basis for an app, right? What Xcode. you
0: what you do with Keynote when you're mocking up and prototyping is that you you link the buttons to other slides that have the resulting display. And so you don't get any of the animations, but you have, I tapped on this. Oh, and it shows you the slide that results and you export as a, uh, as a basically a hyperlinked PDF. Well, now you can actually do the whole thing. You can do the same animations. Um,
1: there are teams at Apple that use Keynote to do prototyping. Oh, thank God. And that's why they added a lot of, because I was I, my, using
0: Keynotopia for, for like, yeah. gosh, I was using Keynotopia since it came out in 2009.
1: My suspicion is that the reason Keynote has gotten so much love recently in that department is because there are teams at Apple who do it, and they were bugging the Keynote team
0: saying, please make this happen for us. Well, it's fast, and it's awesome at doing it. Yeah. I once there, demonstrated an app that I mocked up at Apple. And there are no
1: other native prototyping apps that come close to the responsiveness of Keynote. I mean, there are, there are other ones. Pixate is really good now, yeah, uh, but uh, nothing else for a long time was around.
2: You can tell which things the employees at Apple internally use or don't use based on what gets attention when it's updated. And that's why Numbers sucks as bad as it does. And that's why the remote app has been... <laughs> uh ignored for so many years and was not even a part of the apple tv launch the and that's remote why app it's w- literally maintained by one guy isn't it i know yeah and it was a built it's a built-in feature on the apple watch and it didn't even work with the new apple tv which is insane that's why uh, uh smart cover unlock uh is no longer functional with touch id like man you have been harping on that well forever. I, yeah
0: that's well hey it's a it's a nice feature can we move to what? stuff that you harp about also, like the uh, the four inch iPhone? Well, sure. before we do that, before we yes. do that, what do you have against numbers?
2: All of my what? friends who work uh, in finance uh, say that numbers well, is awful.
1: Compared yeah, no to Excel, sh- so, no crap, because they're in finance. But for like. Joe, for me, who only uses a spreadsheet when
0: is absolutely necessary. Well, I don't necessary.
1: care about you. So yeah. No, but wow. I
0: also only use a spreadsheet when it's absolutely necessary. But what I do like to do, and I end up having to use Google for this, is forms, right? There used to be in numbers on iOS, you could create a form and it would populate a spreadsheet with the results. And that functionality went away. And now I have to use Google Docs Sheets in order to do forms that populate a spreadsheet that I can use the information out of later. And I would really like for numbers to have, instead of killing the functionality off in iOS, to have moved it over and made it also useful on OS X and in the the iCloud. I didn't know that ever existed. It totally existed and it was great, but it was only, and this was weird, it was only in numbers on iPad. You could not do the forms in numbers on iPhone. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Instead of fixing this and making it everywhere, they killed it. Church. if
1: you're in if you're in finance and you need pivot tables yeah numbers oh, yeah. to suck for you but I think for the the vast majority of people numbers is totally fine I it's much faster than Excel so even the new Excel
0: the new Excel is not terrible no the new
1: office is great actually yeah um, but the you know when I just need a quick and dirty spreadsheet I don't even bother opening Excel. anyway moving on to more interesting things
0: another thing that Neil likes to talk about smaller iPhones go on Neil
2: Uh, Well, there was kind of a ridiculous video that came out today that made the rounds where it's really impossible to tell what the heck it is. It's just some guy fondling what looks like an iPhone 6 or 6S, and they claim it's an iPhone 6C, a smaller one. If the guy has large hands, then it could just as easily be a 6S or a 6, but it basically looks identical to a iPhone 6 and 6S, just
0: smaller, which... So he scaled down an iPhone six in SolidWorks and three D printed a scaled down four inch iPhone six and then spray painted it gold. Is that what I'm saying? <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> no. It, I mean, it's, it, it's. I think it's just an iPhone six. Yeah, it's do with big hands. Probably,
2: probably just a regular phone. Um, it, it, it's hard to say because the rumors have said, like, if you uh, listen to what Ming Chi Kuo has said, um, he thinks it's going to lo- look more like an iPhone five S, but he also says it's going to have the uh, 3D cover glass or whatever or whatever 2.5D cover glass where it's curved at the edges, uh, which is similar to the iPhone 6 and 6s. So um, it, there's a little bit of inconsistency about what the device is going to look like. If you believe this video, which uh, Shane and I are very skeptical of, but if you believe it, then the new phone that's coming out uh, in the four-inch size is basically just going to be a small
1: iPhone 6. Very skeptical is not negative enough to describe my feelings. <laughs> I, I
2: I don't know. Uh, it, it would be interesting if they did that because then the whole lineup would look basically the same, right? You would have yeah. the 6, the 6S, the pluses, and the smaller model would all be the same and just kind of scaled up or down. Um, I, I don't know why they would want to do that. I, I think that they, especially if they're looking to kind of juice sales at the halfway point before the seven comes out, do you think that they want to do something a little different maybe um, to kind of incentivize the smaller form factor? But uh, we'll see. You know, I, I would personally, I, I, I'd like to see, um, you know, something a little thicker and fit in a bigger battery and kind of make it the, you know, uh, person who doesn't want to carry a tablet in their pocket, you know, out on the town for the day, kind of phone.
1: But apparently I'm the only person on planet Earth who wants that. So, no, in every every single iPhone thread, there is somebody are you. It might be you just in every one of them going. <laughs> I have multiple accounts and I'm yeah, going, I stuff. wish they would make it thicker and add a bigger battery. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, I, don't, I mean, I don't disagree, but when
2: Apple concedes on that, we get the humpback of iPhone six, like this battery case is just like the ugliest thing I've ever seen. I can't believe anybody would even buy one of these so have you have
1: you tried one? no <laughs> it's uh, so I tried one. oh geez, and it actually no no no, 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 it looks ridiculous. I would never yeah. actually use it in you know any scenario where I would be worried about being judged by my fellow human beings when, right. when but you're, I can when tell you're using a battery case I can tell why wi it, it
0: because you're at a show and you're on a conference and you're burning battery like there's no tomorrow. That's that's when you pull out a battery case.
1: Well, in my case, I have a little, a really thin uh, Xiaomi um, external battery that I keep in my bag. But right. the battery case, the done as it is, it feels really good. It doesn't feel like when you have a Mophie case on; it's just enormous. Yeah, right? I because have it's the,
2: the same thickness all the way around. I have the uh, n- the newer Mophie, the smaller one, and I really like it.
0: You have Juice Pack Air.
2: Uh, I had the Juice Pack Air before, but this is a new, a newer model. I reviewed it. i got, I got to look up what it is. Hold on. Mm-hmm.
1: While he's looking that up... Uh, anyway, the with the design that they did for that, it, when you're holding reserve. it in your hand, it doesn't feel like you have a giant battery case on it. It just feels like you have a normal case on it. So, yeah, the
2: Juice Pack Air um, I've had for a couple of years and uses the iPhone 6, and I like it, but it's definitely considerably bigger it gives you like another 125 percent battery um and so mophie sent me last fall the juice pack reserve for the iphone 6 and 6s and it is considerably thinner uh, but it only gives you an extra 60 percent battery so it makes a lot of concessions in terms of the battery life but it's thin enough uh and enough to get me through the day that it's become my preferred uh, battery case so i recommend that one but Honestly, if Apple made a thicker, smaller phone, there are a lot of benefits to that, uh, including the fact that they could potentially fit in an even better camera. Right now, you know, as evidenced by the protruding camera on the 6 and 6S, they're limited by the laws of physics. Um, if they were to make a thicker phone, they could put in a better camera. I, you know, I, I think that there would be a market for that, and I don't think they would have to sacrifice their sense
1: of style or make it that big that consumers would be turned off by it. What was the, the Nokia phone that had an optical zoom camera on the oh, back? yeah. <laughs>
0: that was the uh, 1020. Did,
2: oh, what, what was I the... I uh, name
0: for it. The, well, so the 1020 was the Windows phone version. There was uh, one last gasp at actual like Symbian version of like it before Pure that. view or something. Yeah, pure something. It had like an insane
2: uh, megapixel count. Something It was yeah, 40 like, something. Yeah, I think yeah, it was like 30 or 40 or 41 megapixel. megapixel. Yeah, it was a Carl Zeiss lens on it too.
0: Yep. Well, and they did that for the Nokia 1020 as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a little extreme, obviously. Um, and that had a humpback on it, too, just to fit in that lens. Yep. But, you know, if I mean, if we started to think a little bit outside the box and Apple wanted to make like a road warrior slash uh, amateur photographer oriented smaller iPhone, they could get away with a lot more by making it just slightly thicker.
1: Or they could it just make a digital make. camera. Yeah.
2: They'll never make a digital camera ever.
1: Again. Again, yeah.
2: They won't. It's not going to happen. Quick cam. <laughs> it won't happen. I mean, just because the iPhone, you know, is is their bread and butter at that point. But yeah. I think they well, could Well, they're, they're never going to make a three and a half
1: inch photographer focused iPhone either.
2: <laughs> no, I don't. But I don't... That's what I'm saying. I don't mean photographer focused. I think you could give it a number of advantages where you could make it appeal to no, a number of segments of the market. Make it appeal to people who like smaller form factor in their hand, make it to people uh, who like longer battery life, uh, people who want a better camera quality. I think you could do something
1: like that. We'll call it the iPhone shut up finally edition. <laughs> <laughs>
0: never happen. It'll never happen All right, right now. All right. Let's talk about this Li-Fi story. So recent versions of iOS, the uh, developer code, uh, beginning, actually beginning with iOS 9.1, there's a cache file that makes a mention of li-fi capability so first of all what is li-fi uh li-fi is a marketing term
1: for i guess it means light fidelity it has no actual relation well, to wireless the fidelity does. was
0: always a stupid name also so
1: well yeah uh, but what it is basically is wi-fi via visible light so you have uh, you have something like this in your house probably already. If you have a television, uh, most TV remotes operate by IR infrared light. That's why you can't uh, point. You have to point it generally in the vicinity of your TV for it to work.
0: Uh, if you so, block the
1: end of the remote, it will not work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you can actually see it work if you. Uh, hold it and point it at your iPhone camera while you have the camera uh, open. You can see it see it work.
0: I so haven't anyway. had that work since iPhone 4 because they've been putting IR filters. Oh, that's
1: stuff. right. They put filters on it now. Okay, well, never mind. You can't do that. So forget that little science experiment.
0: <laughs> if you have an old digital camera, yeah. then yeah, you can see it. Anything without
1: button. an IR filter on the front of it. yeah. But anyway, so what happens is when you push, say, the power button, it blinks a little infrared LED in the front of the remote control really, really fast. Uh, the nominal speed is, I think, 38 kilohertz uh i could be wrong uh so thirty-eight thousand times a second and the tv sees these flashes of infrared light on its infrared receiver and decodes them into an electronic signal that it means you know turn the volume up or turn the volume down or on or off what have you Mm -hmm. and li-fi works in the same principle except it works with visible light so the uh say the le if you have uh, led track lighting in your house it can be pulsed really rapidly Uh, So fast that you wouldn't be able to see it. Uh, You wouldn't be able to tell it was being pulsed. But it can be pulsed so rapidly, uh, to, or it can be pulsed rapidly enough to accomplish the same idea. And because the speed of light is, you know, quite fast, uh, it would enable much faster communication. There are problems, uh, like IR, it needs line of sight. uh, So you can only get a data connection
0: literally while you can see the light. Uh, But there are a lot of advantages. So there you go. So I don't think line of sight is an incredibly huge problem because when you're in a building, which is where you're going to be if you're using Wi-Fi, you're pretty much in range of a light bulb, right? You're, you're not sitting in a closet that's got no lights. You're sitting somewhere that's got lighting.
1: Well, that's true if you are somewhere with overhead lighting or ubiquitous overhead lighting. But don't forget there are a lot of places that use indirect lighting. Uh, I mean, my apartment is a perfect example. I don't. Ha- I have overhead lights, but they're never on. I have indirect lighting everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so, if you are someplace like that, then it's not going to be
0: helpful. What's interesting to me is that this this can combine a couple of different things, right? Because the first question is, okay, great, you can pass data to a light bulb. How do you get that data back to the the network and there to the outside world? Well, you could use power line and use the power lines that connect the power to the bulb to transmit back to the router. Um, and that would be reasonable. You you could also do like um, you know crazy things like Wi-Fi in the bulb and just have the bulb do that. But what's what's interesting to me here is is you know this is this has impacts on things like Philips Hue and some of the other smart light bulbs that we've been seeing so far, where now you're going to have a bulb that's not just smart and controllable by the app, but also does your data.
1: Yeah, there's a company in India that already has a proof of concept out, and they're testing it in I want to say the Netherlands uh, in a warehouse setting. Uh, so, it, I there's definitely some interesting, some interesting options here. It's going to need a lot more development, and it's going to be a long way down the road. Uh, but we've seen them, ex- them being Apple, explore this before. They have a patent, I think, from 2013. 13, yeah, yeah, uh, discussing ways of making camera sensors do double duty, so you could set them in image mode to take a photo, and the rest of the time they would be in data reception mode.
0: Wild so it's it's in iOS, and it remains to be seen if we'll actually see it as a a practical thing we can demonstrate.
1: I would rather they do Wi or wireless power first,
0: but that's just me. ESPN still in talks about an apple streaming uh, still in talks with Apple about a streaming service. What do you like about this story, Neil?
2: I mean, if Apple's going to do its streaming service, ESPN's kind of the big dog, right? you need mm-hmm. you need to have live sports for your streaming service to
1: be successful that's so i'm going to stop you right there and tell you why you're wrong no, not right. <laughs> okay there was uh somebody did a survey two weeks ago or i came out i think two weeks ago it may have been done a long time ago uh something like 55 or 56 percent of people surveyed said that they were uh, cable subscribers said that they would drop espn if it meant saving eight dollars a month on their cable the assumption has always been that the reason people don't young, especially young men under 50 don't cut the cord is because of the ESPN. But apparently that's not actually the case. ESPN has a much bigger mind share than an actual, um, audience market share.
2: I, I feel like ESPN's relevance varies depending on what sport you're watching too. Um, yes, very much. So if you watch the NFL, um, Certainly, ESPN has Monday Night Football, which is by far not even close to the top-rated program on all of cable. It's it it beats most broadcast shows. I mean, Monday Night Football is huge, but that only affects two teams a week. So, by and large, an NFL viewer is going to be able to get their local market games over the air, or you know, however, um, through their local affiliate, CBS uh, or Fox or NBC for the Sunday night game. Um, Now, if you're into college basketball, for example, uh, you're probably way more likely to be an ESPN viewer. If you're into college football, you're definitely more likely to be an ESPN viewer. Uh, College football, uh, now uh, ESPN has a stranglehold on that market. They uh, control uh, pretty much all the SEC games except for the big matchup of the week of SEC football. The biggest SEC weekly matchup remains exclusive to CBS. But But that uh, will end soon. Probably. Um, Yeah. the uh, Big Ten Network? or No, it's not the Big Ten Network. Somebody else also has
1: ESPN running it. ESPN runs the SEC Network. Longhorn Network. They run Long, the yeah. SEC, ACC, Longhorn Network. Yep. And They will eventually uh, run the Big 12 Network if Texas gets their head out of their butt.
2: Yep. And uh, ESPN also is the sole broadcaster of the college football playoff and uh, college football national championship. Now – uh, that's a really big deal if you're at all into college football. Now, if you don't care about college football, you probably don't give a crap about ESPN or college basketball or the NBA. A lot of NBA games are on ESPN, but that's split between ESPN and TNT. Uh, baseball is another one where uh, TBS has a lot of baseball. ESPN has a
1: lot of baseball, so you may not. But be. if you're if you're a baseball fan, though, you have an amazing option because MLB on TV is fantastic. And they they just had a, they just went through a, a lawsuit over MLB TV. And I think for the next two years, there won't be any local blackouts. It's really a, a huge deal.
2: It's a content land grab that's been going on for years. And um, ESPN continues to secure exclusive rights. But then, then there's some over the top services like MLB at bat that make it less relevant. Um, the NHL is exclusive to NBC. Um, so, you know, you run down the list of, of sports. I, I think ESPN recently has been making a push into NASCAR. Um, they didn't really uh, pay much attention to NASCAR for years and now they're getting into that. Um, ESPN is also focusing on some more like entertainment focused, uh, uh, content and, and,
1: and, um, ESPN doing ESPN is doing professional wrestling now.
2: Yes, they do have a weekly uh, segment on uh, sports center covering professional wrestling. So they're trying to broaden their base, uh, to appeal to more people. But it's really kind of dependent on what sports you're interested in watching. but I, I still think that if you're going to do a live streaming TV service, uh, the NFL is the most important thing, but ESPN is uh, probably just as important just in terms of uh, the, the the breadth of content that they have exclusive access to, including Monday Night
1: Football.
0: Yeah, now, so Sling has ESPN, or at least some portion of an ESPN in it, right?
1: The Ocho. They have all of ESPN. Okay, depending S- which package you have, the base package I think just has ESPN and ESPN two, but the sports package has all of them. How are they doing? Uh, I they heard about them. They're about a to lot. pass 2 million subscribers. I think. Uh,
2: the thing with Sling is the inability to record content.
1: Well, the thing with Sling is it kind right, of the with quality the, kind with of sucks.
0: Okay, they I mean, with an Apple nailed. streaming service, you're not going to be able to record content either. They haven't nailed the streaming technology portion of it yet.
2: I mean, here's how it works. I watch sports live. I pretty much uh, DVR everything else. And so I stick with cable because if I want to watch these programs uh, and not pay $3 an episode on iTunes or some crap like that or wait 48 hours or a week or whatever for it to show up on Hulu, you got to have cable. And so for the convenience of it, the ability to fast forward through ads and watch it more quickly, pretty much any scripted television, I watch DVR'd Um, sometimes the same night, uh, sometimes the next night, sometimes they'll pile up and I just don't get around to them. Um, I do have, I pay for uh, subscriptions to HBO uh, now or go, whichever one is cable free. Um, And I also pay for the subscription to Showtime. Uh, that those are separate from my cable provider and it's all on-demand.
1: There is no live streaming component to it. We don't have cable. Uh, we have we also have HBO Go and Showtime. I have Sling, which I only use to log in to watch ESPN on the Apple TV. So I essentially pay $20 a month for ESPN. Uh, I will continue to do so. I have MLB.TV for baseball. Um, I don't watch the NFL Live just because it's a pain in the ass. I, w- I do watch the Sunday night game. Because NBC streams those for free. Um,
2: But it's important to remember. The rest is Netflix and Hulu. It's important to remember because there was a study that came out this week showing share of traffic and stuff like that. The vast majority of streaming content providers out there are not showing live content. It's all on demand. Mm -hmm. I mean, YouTube does some live stuff, but that's not really their bread and butter. Netflix does nothing live. Hulu does nothing live. Uh, Apple, you know, will do an event live occasionally or something. Yeah, twice a year. Yeah, but they don't really do any live content. So you're looking at Sling. um, You know, probably one of the bigger uh, uh, live providers is WWE Network has a live channel included with their um, their subscription service, so you can watch MLB is by far. Well, yeah, MLB, but but that's a a, a, a game-by-game basis. They don't have a linear channel is what I'm saying. Right, that's true. So uh, NHL does the same thing where you can subscribe, and DirecTV obviously has an NFL uh, streaming package as well. But those are on game-by-game basis. Uh, To have a linear channel with constant content, you can't get a subscription to the MLB network you can't get a subscription to the nhl network or the nfl network without paying for cable those are exclusive to cable so to have a linear channel like espn would be a huge deal for something like apple to help differentiate them from the other content providers out there and that's really was differentiating sling now i think sling's shortcoming other than the apparent quality issues is the fact that you can't record anything
1: yeah i don't know that's something that never feel like it matters before. Yeah, that's something I never considered before. I wonder how widespread that is, because there's there's a lot of little things like that that you don't think about, but uh, actually make a big deal for a lot of people. Do you do you watch
2: scripted television?
1: Yes, but not yeah. in any sort of timely manner.
2: OK, but how do you watch it? Like, let's say like Agent Carter premiered Tuesday night. Um, I would ABC. buy an
1: iTunes season pass.
2: Okay. See, so it premiered Tuesday night. My wife and I didn't get a chance to watch it. We were watching something else. A hockey game was on, I think. So we watched it last night. It was a two-hour premiere, wow. and we had it. We had it TiVoed and or DVR'd, and we could just fast forward through the commercials and watch it in an hour and a half or whatever it was. But
0: yeah, yeah I mean, I'll, otherwise I'll catch it on Hulu in a couple of days.
2: Otherwise, I would have paid uh, three bucks per hour on iTunes probably for us. So it was a two-parter to get it in standard def or whatever they charge, I'd pay like six bucks. When you start adding that up, if you watch five or six shows, it's actually cheaper to get cable. And that's just you to watch a handful does, of shows. Well,
0: you know who does I'll this really just, well? I pay uh, 11 bucks for Hulu ad-free and I'll just watch whatever I want on that. And it, it's, but you got to wait a week, so don't it's cheaper you? than cable.
1: And only from a network that supports Hulu. Uh,
0: and then also for the ones that support it in ad-free because they're, right. as I found, some that run ads before or after the show. Uh, but, who
1: does this really well is the BBC, actually.
0: Yeah. Except you, for the you guys geographical have, region problem. I
1: was going to say, you guys have absolutely no experience with this. but the, Oh, no, no the, I have an iPlayer account. But iPlayer is really... I This is how I watched the Sherlock season premiere. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it was on iPlayer an hour after it was on TV in England. It's yep. really, really well. And the streaming is phenomenal. I can stream... Well, they finally from, got their I can heads out of their butts around Flash. In full HD... From the iPlayer app through, please don't kick me off, BBC, through my VPN, because I don't live in England, <laughs> I live in Hong Kong. <laughs> uh, through my VPN, yeah, through the uh, iPad, uh, over AirPlay, to my TV with no loss of quality. It's ec- extraordinary.
0: The BBC used to be about trying to spread the in- England to the rest of the world and, and get their stuff out there. And they've been really stupid about the geographical region blocking. So it, you know, how, what's that mean for expats? It's, it's ridiculous.
2: Well, it, it pains me to say this, but I will commend uh, cable companies on doing something right. Uh, by and large, on-demand services through cable providers are pretty good these days. Um, so uh, last night, trying to catch up on TV again, a Tuesday night episode of uh, New Girl that my wife and I were trying to watch. For some reason, the recording was messed up. And I have a 5.1 system in the center channel didn't record properly on the live broadcast, just went to the on-demand and played it. Of course, there's no fast-forward option, so you can't fast-forward through the ads, but I understand that. And it was available less than 24 hours after the episode aired, and I had zero problems watching it, and high def started right away. So um, as much as I hate cable and love would, would love to get rid of it, they do a pretty good job with their on-demand services these days. Now, that said, there are some networks that don't participate. I believe... Uh, ABC and Time Warner continue to have a dispute. So you can't get any ABC content available on demand through Time Warner. And those contract disputes are just insane. But that's why this is whole this whole thing, to borrow a Steve Jobs phrase, is a bag of hurt. Because you don't know what you're getting into. I could switch to Hulu, but what network's going to comply? And I got to pay an extra couple bucks to get really ad free as opposed to limited ads. And Do I have to wait 48 hours for it to show up on there? It's just a pain in the butt
1: yeah this is this exact thing is what has made me other than sherlock and top gear which uh, hilariously like, well not well, yeah, top now Game you have anymore, to amazon, amazon subscription amazon. right but yeah exactly uh but other than stuff that was available on the bbc because it's such a pain-free experience this is exactly what stopped me from watching shows every week you this know like is, exactly Mad Men is my favorite show in the history of television and i still haven't seen the second half of the last season
2: this is exactly what has stopped Apple from getting into the business because Apple doesn't want to come into this half baked. Apple doesn't want to come in and not have ESPN and not have a deal with CBS to show their content on demand because no one's going to pay for that. People, you know, you might get some early adopters to sign up for something like uh, 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 Sling TV where they might, you know, be eager to embrace it or something like that. But for the average person, if they sign up for Sling TV and they're like, oh, I can't DVR this or oh, I can't get, Uh, you know, the Food Network or whatever. You know, I'm sure that Apple's done the research and they're saying that our target demographic is this big. You look at this initial success that they've had with Apple Music, and they're not half-baking this stuff. I mean, they're already uh, out, well outpacing Spotify, as we talked about last week, in terms of their growth and the number of people they've been able to bring in just because of their power and their clout. If they're going to get into this business, they're not looking to get 2 million subscribers like Sling TV did. They're looking to get tens of millions of subscribers. They're looking to, to accelerate the cable-cutting process. And so they're going to have to hit all of those points. They're going to have to get ESPN. They're going to have to get on demand. They're going to have to have, you know, cloud storage of stuff that you want to record or however they do it. It's all going to have to work and it's going to have to be affordable, too. And that's really tough.
0: Yeah. Well, without getting caught in a loop talking about TV, I want to move on to GarageBand. And Apple updated GarageBand for iOS with a new interface that, that makes it look like a hardware controller for a DJ with drum machines and things like that. They also released a Music Memos app. So what what are these apps about? What, what's What's really going on here that they've updated them for us? Can I just say your transitions are flawless? Thank you, sir. <laughs>
1: Or segues, I I suppose segues. So I actually haven't used new GarageBand for iOS, but I will quickly talk about voice memos, and then Neil can make us some stuff about GarageBand. Sure. So, uh, sorry, not voice memos. Music memos is based on the idea of voice memos. Apparently, what we hear is that a lot of musicians were using voice memos on the go. And somehow, news of this phenomenon got back to Apple, and they said, you know, we can do this better. So they made music memos, which is voice memos for music, and you can record. It, it's it's like a mini. It's sort of like a mini GarageBand, uh, but without the editing features. You can record stuff. You can uh, tag your recordings, manage your recordings, but importantly, it also includes some of the automatic backing track features from GarageBand. So if you record, say, a, a guitar, uh, a five minutes of guitar music memos will analyze that for chord and tempo and then put a drum track behind it for you so while you're out you can get a good idea of how your your song is going you know you can you can actually develop music uh on the go and then you can bring come back home and bring it directly into logic uh only logic pro 10 or the new garage band uh via icloud so it's actually pretty, if you are a gut person who likes to make music, uh, it's actually a pretty cool little deal. And it's yeah. free.
0: Yeah, and it's free. It looks pretty huge. I mean, just the idea of having a good memo app for capturing song ideas is a good thing. And and voice memos was always not quite good enough because the recording quality was not uh, not great. They compressed the files pretty heavily uh, because yeah. it was I, for we, voice. We
1: should note that they, uh, music memos, records, in lossless.
0: Yeah, and it's adding in the guitar tuner just killed off all of the guitar tuner apps, although I I really do like Polytune, because Polytune is seriously cool if you're a guitar player. Um, Polytune, you can strum all six strings at the same time, and it will pick out and show you which ones are sharp or flat. At the same time, you don't have to play note by note. It's really cool and the fastest cool. way to tune your guitar up. But uh, but still, having a guitar tuner built into Apple's one is a big deal. Uh, and as you say, analyzing the the key signature and being able to tag for, for first chorus and things like that, uh, that's, that's great. This is really quite cool. Yeah, I'm going to be playing with this. Um, and Neil, tell me about GarageBand.
2: Uh, so the big changes in GarageBand are uh, there's a whole new uh, DJ controller section which would take on the likes of uh, Traktor and some of the other popular uh, iPad
0: DJ options out there. I don't looks uh, looks kind of like triggering Ableton Live a little bit. W- yeah, with, you know, a Novation Launchpad, for example.
2: And it, this is all in in uh, Apple and GarageBand style, very simple. So. Um, simple to mess around with and, uh, for people that want to master it and do a little more technical stuff that's in there too. But it does, uh, features that you would expect for like an amateur DJ, like keeping beats in sync with the time and pitch and stuff like that. So you can merge and, and do cool stuff and make it sound like you're way more talented than you actually are. Um, and they also have a new drummer mode, which, uh, gives you the option to, uh, create sick beats a uh,
1: different uh, All right, sounds. Taylor <laughs> yeah. I just heard your entire soliloquy in T Payne's
0: voice <laughs> I was I was hearing Taylor Swift but go on
2: yeah I mean it's pretty cool um, you know just you, you drum machine go on there kind of mess around uh, a, a little more advanced way to create stuff and uh, play along with it for um, for a lot of people, the more interesting features may actually be that uh, GarageBand has also been updated to be designed for the Retina display on the iPad Pro. So there's more options on the screen um, when you run it on your larger iPad. It takes advantage of the screen real estate, which is great. Um, tired of just seeing apps just blown up to the 12.9 inch screen size, you know. To really take advantage of the iPad Pro, you have to put more on the screen. Uh, and do it in a way that makes sense. Unlike, like when you open up the app store and there's just like a million apps to tap on there, it's like, this wasn't thought out very well. Um, and then, uh, on the iPhone success and iPhone success plus, uh, Apple has also added support for 3d touch. So, uh, if you're doing things like playing on the piano or whatever, you can press harder or softer and it will gauge how hard you're pressing and, uh, uh, p- uh emulate the instrument that you're playing accordingly.
0: So it looks like as I'm as I'm looking at Apple's copy on this, they say to get started, pick a template from popular genres like EDM, house, hip hop, and more, and then tap a cell in the template to turn on the loop. So you're using loops that they've got already created, and using that to to make your DJ music. Uh, I, I and I go back to things like Loopy HD, where you can record your own loops and then trigger them. And if that was possible in this interface, that would be really empowering. Because then you could loop and then play live over the loops that you've created, you know, kind of stack up pieces to a song and build a live performance out of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've messed around with GarageBand on iOS and and it's like uh, iMovie, one of those things that uh, may not get as much attention as it deserves because it's actually quite powerful and, and quite interesting and, and quite capable. Um, especially they have, you know, MIDI support for instruments and lightning connections and all kinds of cool stuff that you can do stuff can go through the headphone jack too to record through it, or you can just use the mic. So it's, uh, it's out of my wheelhouse. I'm not, I'm certainly not talented enough to use something like this or make something out of it, but, uh, play guitar, don't you poorly? Uh, but yeah, anyway, here's wonderwall. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think uh, I, I think that this is a good update. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it's, it's a niche market, but it's one that uh, Apple is wise to cater to.
0: And I updated my iPhone. I, I downloaded the iOS 9.2.1 update and installed it the other day. Um, we, re- we covered that update. We also covered the 10.11.3 update. So what did we get out of these things? Not much. It's
2: basically some bug fixes and stuff. The the big uh, change for 9.2.1 is there was a bug with installing apps for, uh, uh, enterprise users. So, um, if that affected you, then you may be no longer affected after you update. But other than that, th- the, by the fact that this is a 0.1 update, uh, it tells you all that you need to know about, uh, uh, the fact that it's just basically security and, and minor bug fixes.
0: Yeah. I've been hearing reports from people using iPhone 4s and five that it sped up their devices a little bit. Is there any,
2: there was did, did a you know test that? that was done on, uh, YouTube where a guy compared, um, iPhone running an older iPhone, like a 4s running 8.4.1 to 9.2.1. And they were pretty much comparable, um, in terms of speed, uh, iOS 9.2.1 did some stuff faster. Um, 8.4.1 did some stuff slightly faster, but uh, from what I saw, slightly comparable. I guess people have complained with earlier builds of iOS 9 that their older iPhones, uh, specifically the iPhone 4S, ran uh, egregiously slow. So if you've been holding off on updating, uh, maybe yeah, a good time how to How else update. do you know when it's time to buy a new iPhone? Right. Well, there's, I, I hear from people all the time, like conspiracy theories, that Apple purposefully makes sure that new iOS updates run slow on their phones, they're forced to upgrade or something. I always find that kind of stuff funny. But... Um, yeah, it seems like it runs pretty well on older hardware. So uh, if you've been holding off on upgrading because you're concerned about speed, uh, now might be a good time to take the plunge.
0: Brilliant. This is our episode. This is episode 52 of the Apple Insider Podcast. And Neil, where can people find you on the internet?
2: Well, you can read what I write at uh, Apple Insider. Uh, and I am on Twitter
1: at This Is Neil. Shane, where can people find you on the internet? I too. I'm at Apple Insider, but not on Twitter.
0: If Neil is elected class president and it's all sodas free, we'll be sure to tell you all about it on next week's Apple Insider podcast.